0: Welcome back to the Puck and Roll podcast. After a little bit of a break, we are back to talk about the Habs in this episode. The next episode will be completely on draft eligible prospects and we'll we'll get a ton of updates on our personal analyses on those players in that one. But here we're going to focus on the Habs, uh, the Habs prospects, uh, definitely talk a little bit about Sean Farrell, who is lighting it up for BU. And uh, yeah, and then we'll also get into some trade deadline talk and we'll have some fun with it. We're gonna each put forward one mock trade. uh, And they might not be overly plausible, but they're gonna be fun. And that's kind of what this podcast is all about is just having some fun with it. And Not taking everything too too seriously. And today I'm joined by Joshua Rosa and Aaron Idovich. So how's it going, guys? Aaron, they cannot give a thumbs up. (laughs) On a podcast, you can't give a thumbs up. Like we need we need some audio feedback here. (laughs) All right, so for the first segment, (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna focus (laughs) on some HAB prospects. Um we're gonna start off with Sean Farrell, who I uh, put a video analysis thread out on him last week. Uh, I I should be getting one out on Matt Mitchkov in the next few days, and if it's not out already when this is published, and yeah, Sean Farrell is is for it, he's treating the NCAA like it is the USHL, and it's a ton of fun. He he is a pure offensive piece who is among the smartest uh, players in the Habs prospect system and is probably the best playmaker in it, apart from Lane Hudson, uh, which is, again, a pretty impressive thing because the Habs have a pretty solid prospect pool. Uh, and in in that game, uh, what, what Farrell showed me personally is that he is already good enough for the NHL the only thing that he really needs to work on in order to unlock his top six ceiling is his skating. And and it really does need to come a decent amount still from now, uh, which I'm hopeful for just because I think Adam Nicholas is among the best, I guess, prospect developers in the entire hockey world. And he's worked more with Sean Farrell than any other player in the half system because they were... Uh, in in chicago for two years together and yeah so so farrell again he's undersized but he needs to really bring up his his top speed his acceleration but more than anything it's just lower body strength that he needs because he, he can get pushed off by bigger opponents and in the nhl that is going to be an issue if he doesn't work on it but all in all that that is a pretty realistic thing and and and, and a simple in the grand scheme of hockey thing to fix is lower body strength right like it's just it putting in hours in the gym like in, improving his skating posture a little bit but Sean Ferrell is a ton of fun uh what are your guys' thoughts on on Farrell as a prospect i mean five point night says quite a bit it's like not it's, bad
1: it's the ncaa like in the QMJHL, a 5 point is, is impressive it, but it's the NCAA. Like, what is he doing? Why is he amazing?
0: But- I mean, it, it, it's it's the NCAA, but it's not exactly a strong division. Um, but but still, uh, it, it it's, it's not like he's playing in Hockey East or in the Big Ten, uh, which definitely yeah. does impact, um, I guess his, his scoring, and it can't really be compared with guys like Fantilli, just because. Yes, okay. If is on a stronger team, BU sorry, Harvard is still very good. Uh, but it's 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 no it's no Michigan and it's no it's no BU, but their competition is just significantly weaker. So that's another thing to keep in mind here. At the same time, his points per game currently uh 1. is 7. is one point seven, which is what, like top ten from the past 10, 15 years in the NCAA. Yeah. So uh, it's. I think it's he's pretty, it's pretty
1: good. I think he's fifth. It,
0: it might be right. I think I you know Fantilli, Eichel, uh, Gaudreau, and Gaudreau are, are the other ones that are yeah. in the mix there. Um, but yeah, like, what, what he's doing is is very impressive. I mean, 14 goals and 41 points in 24 games is nothing to nothing, <laughs> nothing to to discredit for yeah. sure. And yeah, uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on on Sean Farrell?
2: I mean, he's got the Cole Caulfield seal of approval. Indeed the, he does. At the draft. From day but one. Yeah. Um, I, like, he's got tools to spare in the offensive zone. Like, it's just great to see him work. And I think that, in my opinion, skating is one of those things that's pretty workable for prospects. Like, it's not one of those fundamental flaws that can – stick with a player for his whole career and it's something that could go from bad to average and he's got a lot of like there's no rush on Sean Farrell there's no big uh, pressure on him to produce and come right up into the NHL and everything I think if we he's given enough time and development before making the jump to the NHL he could drop right into the top six and be great and I think there's a good possibility of that happening with if he focuses on improving his skating like i said yeah for sure it's just the the the
0: playmaking ability and the intelligence are just such standout skills and uh if if you want to go check out uh, the the video analysis thread that i i put out it uh, again i'm just i'm taking clips from the game so you can really see what i'm what i'm what, what i'm seeing what like the things that i think are are notable in this game And yeah, he's, he's a, he's a guy that I've been cheering for uh, ever since he was drafted before he was drafted. And, uh, he, he brings me a ton of joy to watch play hockey because he, he plays a style that I just, I, 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 respect a ton, right? Like it's based on, on high end habits, uh, tremendous tenacity, great skill, right? That, that combination of intelligence, skill and, and intensity, is one that always stands out to me, and and while not every player, obviously, with that combination makes the NHL or becomes an impact player, it's one where I think the likelihood of success is significantly higher than with other molds of players, and it's it's why I I like a guy that uh, like Jeremy Wilmer, who we were talking about off air, um, who's in his final year of eligibility, uh, he's Lane Hudson's teammate at at BU, and uh, and he's putting up almost a point a game as an NCAA freshman he is 20 but still uh, I think I think it's quite notable um and and I'd love to see him drafted but he is five foot seven like he he makes Lane Hudson look uh beefy and tall which is <laughs> indicative of, of, of just how small Wilmer is I'm pretty sure he's, he's five seven like 141 like he's at 20 years old like he's not big at all, it just shows but, how big Lane Hudson is getting. Yeah, Lane Hudson is is, is really I mean, he, he's gonna start making you look short, Aaron. Like like Hudson's you know he's my height now. He's yeah. like very much my height.
1: <laughs> I I'm I, I'm still coming to like terms with that. So like my, the first move I made as a, an editor at Dauber was I went onto Lane Hudson's page and I
0: changed his height and weight. It's like it's just, it's the little things or the big things really, but it is the big things. But yeah and, and speaking of dabber editing i am in the next few weeks I'm gonna put uh, out a ton of player profiles for draft eligibles, so guys that 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 don't have profiles yet, but I think really should uh like William Whitelaw will get their profiles done um and yeah I, I've also been tinkering quite a bit with the with the upsides and certainties of of draft eligibles um which has been. Meant a lot of downgrades for guys that I'm personally not as high on. Obviously, not I'm not making the entire draft site just my views. I'm 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 weighing in the game reports from the other scouts. But yeah, it's it, it's nice to, to have it a little bit more in line with with how I'm seeing the draft. But moving back to the halves, another player who's been lighting it up and who actually genuinely come a long way in the last year uh, in, in in my viewings. Uh, who I was not very high on in the summer or even in the fall is Riley Kidney. Uh, Since his trade to Gatineau, he, again, it's, (laughs) it's Adam Nicholas, Adam Nicholas gave Kidney the ideal list of things to work on. And it's been attack the middle, attack the middle and attack the middle some more. So he went from a pure perimeter player last season and the season before and the season before that to actually, Attacking the middle quite consistently now, and uh, and the results are there. Like he's he's dominating the QMJL this season. Uh, he's he's on pace for thirty-one goals and one hundred and four points in sixty games. Again, QMJL point totals should always be taken with a grain of salt. Uh, but he does have twenty-nine points in twelve games for Gatineau um, since being traded, uh, which is not bad. Um, and and so it's yeah. one
1: hundred forty-five point pace.
0: Yes. It's, it's very good. Over- it is indeed very, very he's, good. He's doing okay. And he is indeed doing okay. And, and I just find it very interesting to see how far he's come. Because I guess it's, it's, it's kind of something that I need to keep in mind more moving forward as a scout as well as just as to, to see the power of a good um, director of player development and players that I might the value because they are pure perimeter players. So even if you look at a guy like Jordan Dumay, who's still a pure perimeter guy at a D plus one, kidney became far more middle driven as a D plus two. And like that, to to, to see how that, I guess, the ticking of the brain can, can can change with the right support. Maybe I've been too harsh on perimeter playmakers in the past. And uh that's something that I'm gonna have to keep in mind as a scout personally, just because. Seeing what's happening with Kidney and and how he's developing, I mean, I, I was I was almost doubtful of him being an NHLer. Period. In the summertime, now I'm seeing like, oh, this could actually maybe be a third line playmaker, maybe as a center, and that is a huge difference in projection uh, from from what I was thinking in the summertime. Uh, I still haven't watched that much of Kidney this season, so I can't. I can't go go too in depth on on what what's making him tick, apart from just incessantly attacking the middle, which is like still shocking to me that that he's doing that. Uh, but, but I'm going to watch him tonight. I'm going to to, to the Gatineau and, and versus Ottawa game tonight. It's the OHL QMJHL crossover, uh, which is going to be interesting. And, uh, and I might have some more to talk about on him in the coming weeks, uh, once I watch a little bit more, but yeah, Kenny, Kenny's actually gotten a bit fun. And, uh, and and that makes me happy because again, I always hope that prospects that I doubt prove me wrong, uh, because in the end, I want as many talented hockey players to succeed as possible. And if players that I was doubtful of prove me wrong, that means there are more of them, and that that's just great news. Uh, and yeah, so so Riley Kidney is definitely having a better season. Uh, do you guys have any, anything to add on on Kidney?
2: Not really. A bit still um, questionable about his professional upside, um, but taken with a grain of salt, that I haven't really watched any of his games outside of like highlights from this year. Um yeah, it's indeed a huge turnaround if he can make it work out and it's just a complete change of his style of play which makes me think like makes me worried about how he would project against professional um opponents if you have to change everything that you're doing, uh, which makes you a little bit cautious. But, I mean, the numbers don't lie, even for the Q. Those are very, very good numbers in a very good offensive league. So we'll just have to see how it works out. But definitely more interested now than ever before.
1: I mean, look, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times – If there's a GM out there who will value that production more than his actual projection as a player, you got to move on from that piece. And I think he's come a long way. But if there's a second round pick out there for Kidney,
0: I what type of second round pick? Any type,
1: or if there's a forty fifth overall pick out there for Kidney? Oh yeah. If there's honestly, if there's like a sixty third overall pick out there for Kidney in twenty twenty three. I think you can find the player that projects higher than him with similar certainty that they'll make the NHL. Yes,
0: like
1: players that are uh, going to be I I, to...
0: I agree. I, I agree on the surface. It's also a thing of like you, you have to also consider that the team has now put in two years of work on Kidney, right? And and that has value as well. Um, and especially given how much he's he, he's come since then, um, where it's also We've a thing of like, okay. What type of player would the Habs pick with that, right? Because we're not the ones making the selections, right? So are we hoping for a trade and then they're gonna pick someone like like if, if I'm just spitballing here, what what if they trade him for the 45th overall pick and then select Jim, I don't know. William White no, Okay, okay. Yes. On the one, on the one hand, it, it could be Jaden Perron. And then in that case, it's like, oh, oh my god, that, that is a home run. On the other hand, it could be it's San and it's like, well, in that case, I'm just gonna take kidney, please, right? Yeah. Like, like I, I would make that trade personally, um, or Matsurikatafol. Like, if we're going for Q&J gel guys, um, but e- even even if it were a... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm thinking a swap between kidney and a guy like Ethan Gautier, and that is making that pause. I would be willing to. I I, I might I might make, that, make I, that trade though. I, I, I would might do it in a second because of how much. GMs value players like Gautier. That's fair. I think that 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 that's fair. I think that Kidney has a higher offensive ceiling than Gauthier, but yeah, I mean, Gauthier I have ranked at forty fourth. Uh, I I brought him up my ranks a little bit. I watched him this week, um, and and we might get into him in the next episode, but but yeah, and um, I, I think on that note, we're actually gonna jump straight into uh, the first of two ad reads in this episode.
1: This time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good. But most of the time, they're pretty unrealistic. In the case of my co-panelist, Sebastian, he couldn't quite uh, commit to doing uh, five days a week at the gym. But I've actually found the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be part of a big change if it's something you use every day, like my Raycons. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. I personally love to listen to my favorite hockey podcasts when I'm walking to school or uh, headed to school. And uh, those are like 32 Thoughts and uh, Locked On, NHL Prospects, and of course, Puck and Roll. And uh, it's just been so much better since I got my Raycons. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with, ba- with a battery that'll last all night for your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycon started half the price of other premium audio brands, so you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each, or a pair and a spare, and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure that you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy-now-pay-later options. Every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. It's really, it's all about the sound for me, but the noise isolation and the earbuds tab functions are really game changers. Ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN, score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash
0: THPN. And in terms of Habs news, let's just chat a bit about some contracts. So first off, Jordan Harris signed a two-year extension, which is 1.4 year. What are you guys' thoughts on that signing? I mean, immediately
1: when I saw it, I was like, what's the AAV? And then I tweeted, my AAV prediction, 1.4 million because of Sandine and Lilligren. And then like 30 seconds later, somebody said it was 1.4. And it just made me look like I saw what it was. And then I tweeted about it. it. Made me kind of look like an idiot. But I think it's a good deal. I, I think Sandin and Lilligren are big helps when it comes to young defensemen. That two-year term at 1.4 is really good. I would have wanted to see if we could have gotten, like, another year or two, maybe give him, like, 2.2. Uh, somebody signed. I think Carson Soucy, maybe four years, 2 million. Like, if we could have gotten something like that, that would have been nice. But I get it. It buys us uh, – I think he expires as a RFA with arbitration, but at least he's under team control.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think remaining under team control that, that's been a big thing under Kent Hughes with his signings so far. Uh we saw the yep. same thing with Kirby Doc, is just retaining team control at the expiry of, of those breaks. It, it
1: means you still have an asset at the end, even if you can't resign. Of them. course.
0: Exactly. And uh like I know a lot of people were saying, Oh, we should have signed Jordan Harris for like eight years at
2: $4.5
0: or 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 whatever which I don't I don't quite see uh and I adore Jordan Harris because in my view if you are a contending team Jordan Harris is at going to be at best your fourth defenseman like if you're really contending and also like at paying a- your fourth defenseman 3.5 million is the standard not you're not getting a steal there you're paying him what what, what he's worth so what's the point of paying him that now when the next contract's likely going to be in that range anyway. It's like, why up that AAV starting next season already? Like, keep those extra $2 million in your back pocket to use for other things. Yeah.
1: And then I saw, like, some some people saying, like, eight times two and a half. His agent would have never
0: signed that. Like... like I, I feel like 2.75 would be the minimum. Like, 2.75 to 3.5 no, would have no been the sign eight years at 2.75. Unless it's, I mean vastly... Col- Colton Sissons did, or was it seven years? Colton Sissons got that contract. Like the only one I couple got, years ago.
1: Col- Colton Sissons got seven years.
0: For six or seven years at 2.75. The like
1: only one I can think of is I think Casey Sazikas is like two point something
0: for like six years. Six years, yeah. But Colton Sissons got that deal too. Like I, I'm supposed to be like the. And that was a great contract for a Seven year, end,
1: $20 million deal, $2.857 million. Yep. Following arbitration. The arbitrator was like, give him seven years. That's yep. three million.
0: Yep. And uh yeah, I, I find that funny. But honestly, I do think that like not signing your deaf players to seven, eight year deals is generally a pretty good strategy. That's because the risk reward. Yeah, like again, I love Jordan Harris, but would I sign him for eight years at 3.2 million or something? No. Because I just I, I don't see what the reward there is because I feel like he's going to be making that mu- that money anyways in a few years time if when he signs the next, his next deal so there's no point in overpaying him now for what really won't be too much savings later on uh, but I, I think this is an awesome deal for for Montreal and for Harris like I I. I Jordan Harris is one one of the most likable players in the Habs organization. Yeah, like most, most likable people as well, right? He,
1: he he won himself brownie points this week, but he was already for sure.
0: Such he, a I mean, he he has been he's been the most outspoken player on the hat in the Habs system on on social just, justice issues. Yeah. Um, along with with Jaden Struble, um, like 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 the, those two are the only ones that really made big statements. Um, uh, during during the the whole, I think the height of the Black Lives Matter movement and the the the, the, the George Floyd protests. So those are the two that, that, that came out, which is totally shocking considering that the 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 two black players in the Habs organization. And it's like, well, yes, of course he couldn't have the white players uh, speak out about that. But uh, which is again, the sport has a long way to come. But but and in this week, seemingly unprompted in an interview, Jordan Harris came out with with like very vocal support for the lgbtq plus community uh and and like also the fact that he named Provorov specifically i think that that really stood out to me because again awesome. like usually so it, awesome usually if you see an nhl player come out with a statement or in an interview or something it'll be like oh yeah hockey should be for everyone we don't want too much discrimination in the sport whatever jordan harris pinpointed the exact people that he wanted to address here. And it was like Ivan Provorov and the New York Rangers. And it's like, that's so good. That is great to see. It, it would have been um, better if
1: the Islanders and the Blackhawks hadn't immediately. Followed yeah. Through, but
0: of course. Right. But I mean, the Blackhawks, I think just, they just, yeah, they're just lose. a garbage organization. Yeah. I honestly, my, my only hope for, for the Conor Bedard sweepstakes is that he doesn't end up in Chicago. Mainly, and yeah. then slightly Arizona because I don't want him to play in a what five thousand seat arena. Um, yeah. But that that that's just because I, I Honestly, want. Honestly, like
1: if him he's going to, go to, to one of them. those like teams, Vancouver would be cool because he's from there. Vancouver, exactly. Like, I love
0: Vancouver. I I love the Anaheim Ducks. Like Anaheim Ducks could be a fun fit. Um, wouldn't be my, my first choice. I think San Jose would be really fun. I mean, my first um, choice
1: is Montreal.
0: Albeit, yeah, no, no kidding, but. I I feel like I feel like San Jose would be fun fit. I want to see William Eklund play with uh, Conor Bedard. I think oh, that would just be fun. Love a line. I mean, uh, I mean, they have Daniel I mean, Gushchin coming like in too. Bortolo and, is uh,
1: center, Bortolo. Like isn't a good enough
0: center. Truly, he's not a first line Yeah, yeah. Um, but but I I think I think San Jose could be really interesting fit for that, um, especially if they sell off on Meyer and Carlson at the deadline. Uh, which would be really there's fun an, trace I to see I don't think half. there's any
1: way Carlson moves. Why? What? What? I, I, I think it could. could. Take on, if they retain half. What? what, what five? Not, not, not,
0: not half. I think, the, I think that they'd bring them down from 11.5 to 8.5. I think they'd, no, they'd uh, What they were
1: rumoring was about 9.4, 25%. Wait, was it 25% or
0: 20%? 25%. Again, that's the rumor. I think that that's also San Jose trying to not retain 3 million. But yes, I think in the end, if they bring him, if, if if you if you bring him down to eight point five, and he's a defenseman scoring a hundred point pace on an awful team this season, yeah, like like you're, you're so gonna what team like can figure team that out? team teams can make it happen if they if they need to, right? Like they can shed salary, uh, they they can they could trade an overpaid deaf player to like Arizona, uh, for. Uh, along with like a third round pick or something and then make some room like 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 cap gymnastics are going to be a factor no matter what in any trade involving carlson but i i, I want to happen just because i think it'd be a chaotic trade and i mean the last carlson trade was chaotic so yeah that would be fun from, from an, an, an entertainment I standpoint want to do it
1: like not because I'm that'd gonna, be a oh, I'd, I'd love like, that it would be so funny that would be hilarious. I I don't know how they do it. No, because it's like basically San Jose would be retaining six million they? and then they'd have seven and a half million
0: Riley They have to shed they'd years. have to shed Kerfoot. So no, they it would be Riley. It must, be Riley. But then who's gonna take on Riley after this season? Like, cause this has been a week, a week year for him. well, um, it'd be like a wildly
1: expensive trade where suddenly Simon funny. plays Morgan Riley at $10.5 million because they're retaining on Carlson. Yeah. Oh, okay, Like just spitballing. Morgan Riley, Matthew Nyes, Topi Nimula, three first-round picks. Oh, my God. Ooh. They're going to leverage having to take back the salary. The
0: Leafs wouldn't do that. The Leafs, Leafs, Leafs would not. They, no, I know they no wouldn't now, do that, Leafs, but yeah. I would love to see that. Nah. I mean, this was I three firsts and, and and two of their three best prospects. The company nah. I work for just bought
1: a Leaf site, so I've had to write, like, a bunch of Leaf stuff. But I kind of, like, I sneak in just stuff. Because also, it's it's Facebook. Like, you need to get interactions. So I had to write an article about chicken to the Leafs. And I said, Nye's
0: Robertson, two firsts, and Kerfoot. You see, that's more in line, honestly, with what honestly, like it, would, because they would
1: have to take send an asset for them to take back on Kerfoot. It's not that unrealistic, but the Leafs fans went insane.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think I think more realistic would be if you remove one of the first round picks, then I could see that happen because I I don't think Kerfoot has that negative value. Um, he's he's decent enough. Um, but but yeah, and, and going, going back to the halves and speaking about big contracts. Cole Caulfield, what are our guesses? Because now we've seen both Matt, Matt Boldy, we've seen the Jack Hughes contract, we've seen Dylan the brand cousins. new Dylan Cousins contract, and all that's been been at eight or under, between seven and eight million for seven or eight years. Does Caulfield fall in that $1 million opening, or Absolutely. does he go over Jack Hughes? I, I think he's, I think he's very much in there, and I think that contract is going to be surprisingly low. Like my, my 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 personal guess right now is eight years at seven, at seven point eight. I think so, I think he's gonna be at a tiny smidgen below Nick Suzuki. I think he has a ton of respect for for Suzuki, and that I mean we we have seen this happen in Boston, where uh where and Marchand did not want to make more than Bergeron, and they they were so lucky
1: that Bergeron was only making six million eight
0: seventy five. Oh yeah, it set set the bar. And I think that we might see a similar thing with Suzuki and Caulfield, um, where or Caulfield is in that in heavy negotiations and gets up like seven point eight, but doesn't want to like overshadow, or he might get more AAV than Suzuki, but stay under the cap percentage. Um, but I think that like yeah, that would be seven point like, literally... eight and seven point nine is my guess. So At, for eight my years.
1: Prediction in June when I first joined the podcast, my first episode we talked about this. Indeed, I said eight years at seven million one one twenty five. Mm-hmm. I'm standing by that. Fifty-seven million dollars. It means that him and Suzuki is a combo as a duo would be fifteen million dollars. You, you think he's, he gets less than Dylan Cousins? Uh, Cousins got seven one. Oh, true. Thompson got eh. seven one
0: five. Yeah, but that that was Thompson, pretty superstar. Yeah. Um...
1: So I I think Caulfield seven one two five. Matt Boldy was seven. Jack yeah. was eight, which is going to be like the best contract in NHL. one of the best in the
0: league. That's of, That that is. That is this like player generations version of the Nathan McKinnon contract. Yeah. Six point where he said a 6.2. Yeah. Like that's uh, a very, very good deal.
1: The most insane deal ever. The same cap percentage, actually. So yeah. yeah. Back, McKinnon signed that in 2016. When the cap was
0: seventy odd million, yeah. Josh, what what's your guess for Caulfield's contract?
2: Yeah, I mean it's the same thing pretty much. Nothing over eight by eight for sure. Um, I think the market has helped out a lot with that with the recent signings and for sure. Yeah, yeah, nothing. I want to get them as long as possible. So like they like, there's no questions about. Because you look at the Harris contract and I see there's all those people talking about eight years, but I just am worried about it for being that long. But I mean, Caulfield is proven goods. He's yeah. there and he's the star, like, no question, eight years. And yeah, I think eight's a good value for what he brings and keeps him right around there. Probably, yeah, again, he-, he likes Montreal clearly. So he's. Not going to be raking them over the coals for money, and then the whole. Mix I mean, like he just
1: think. got surgery ten days ago, and he's already back in. Eight, and he's already back in Montreal. Yeah, yeah. I think I, the I, highest it can possibly go is eight million one two five, because that's what Kyrou and Thomas got.
0: I think I think it's gonna be lower. Than, I think the highest it's gonna go is eight. I don't think he's gonna be making more than Jack Hughes. I think that's a really yeah. big bargaining chip, yeah. despite the timing of that contract uh, being incredible for New Jersey uh i i don't i i don't see how we can leverage over eight um even even though i think as a player and in terms of his value to the team like if you had the option of 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 either like like having like an arbitration standoff or signing full coffee at like eight years at 8.8 million i'd take the 8.8 because in the end it's a one million dollar difference per year right like that's not the biggest thing in the world, but I do think he's going to stay under that 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 at or under that that eight million mark. I think. So I'm
1: just going to interrupt the episode for a second with some act, active Habs news. Just like during the game, Bo Horvat just scored from behind the goal line with three seconds to go in the second period. Indeed, he did. That's cool. that. That sums up the season.
0: I mean, hey, look, the Habs are going to be Habs, like. Look, it's just—it is a reverse
2: retro night,
0: yeah. So. We're not and to uh, they can't win on reverse retro nights. We we know this.
2: Um, yeah, last one I, of the season, sadly. Yeah, wish we just keep uh, wearing them, but yeah, miss those guaranteed losses.
0: <laughs> and on that note, we're going to head straight into our second ad break of the video. The
1: action that runs at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this year. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. One game that I'm very excited for is uh, the Habs versus the Blackhawks because whoever loses that game is really winning. Best of all, all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THBN, make your first deposit, and get risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details.
0: And for the final, I guess, collective segment of the episode, we each prepared one mock trade deadline trade. Uh, I know mine's wacky. Uh, I assume yours are wacky as well. And uh, who wants to, to get us started with a potential Habs mock trade? And... I'm assuming they're all going to be seller-based trades rather than like buying on like Timo Meyer, but I'm curious, what have you guys
2: got drafted? Can I just say something before we get into this minor hot take, I guess? Um, Every trade deadline, I hear all this chatter about how every other sports trade deadlines are way better. And I wholeheartedly disagree because everyone's talking about the huge, like groundbreaking trades in the NBA this year and why we can't see Connor McDavid bounce around teams for his whole career. And I just, I don't get it. I don't like seeing those huge trades. I'd rather just let players be kind of thing, but every year, yeah, every year I just see all these like why can't we have these massive blockbusters and I just really don't care about those as much.
1: My real controversial my real controversial take is I kind of love the flat cap. Like it makes sure that nothing ridiculous is going on. It kind of keeps people on their toes. Like one bad move and it can actually mess you up for a little bit. So like I I really it's some it also means that teams like LA aren't winning every year. Like, yeah, there's really good things about the flat cap. And I'm not the biggest fan of Gary Bettman, but like, I I, I kind of enjoy it.
0: Interesting. Uh, <laughs> I I I I, I want to see the cap going up a bit. Um, not only do I think it'd be more entertaining to see for the NHL, but again, look, hockey players are also workers at the end of the day. And uh, again, I'm talking less about like the players making like the eight plus million dollars, but seeing the cap go up for players that are making like $1 million a year now. And if they can maybe make $2 million with a higher cap, because they're not going to be in the league very long, right? They don't have that many years to monetize on their, uh, uh, on, on their hockey abilities. And I kind of want to see them just, I guess, be able to coach the rest of their life. Because again, like hockey is a dangerous sport. You, you see players that get concussions die within 10 years of retirement, right? Like I, I really do want to see the cap go up for absolutely just but from like yeah. a, a worker standpoint. And I don't think the NHLPA amount. has done a great job at protecting hockey players, but, uh, yeah, that, that, that's a little aside, but we'll get straight back into our, uh, trade ideas. So um Josh, do you want to start us off?
2: Oh boy. Um yeah, sure. I don't think mine's very super interesting. It's a bit of fantasy and I'm terrible at knowing what is going on with the league. So I'm looking at Joel Edmondson, looking at a team that has interest in him and that have had past experiences with Montreal with is the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I'd love to see Jesse Pugliarvi come back if he's not being put on waivers and claimed by Montreal before then. And I could see like a kind of mid around second, third round pick and possibly like a bigger name, depending on how desperate Edmonton is being like a Borigo maybe would be interesting, but I could also see something crazy happening with say New Jersey, if they don't get Meyer and trying to get someone like a Josh Anderson, but I don't know who exactly New Jersey would be willing to give up in that regard, but Alexander Holtz. I think that, that would be interesting. That could be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So So yeah, that's my little thing.
1: Cool. I didn't even have to write a trade because I just pulled up a note from January 14th, 2023. At 7.14 p.m., Josh Anderson to the Winnipeg Jets. Montreal trades Josh Anderson, Matthias Norlander, and Riley Kidney. Vili Hanola, Brad Lambert, Logan Stanley, and a second-round pick.
0: I'd love that. I'd love that. Uh, I'm, I'm going down a very similar route, uh, but going with a team that hasn't been active in trade talk with the Habs, at least involving these players. Um, So the Habs send Josh Anderson, Michael Pozzetta, and a 2024 fifth round draft pick to Buffalo for Noah Estland and Olivier Nadeau. We know that the Habs were very high on Usland at the draft. There have been rumors that the Habs... Would have maybe kept the 13th overall pick if they thought that uh that wrestling were available there, thinking that he'd be gone before then, which he wasn't. Uh, and Olivier Detnado is putting up a ton of points uh with Gatineau this season and playing with Raleigh Kidney. So I'm sure the Habs uh have him on their radar, at least they've watched him a decent amount, uh, considering that he's been playing on the same line as Raleigh Kidney and they both put up like five points a few days ago. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that, that could be a fun idea. Uh, it wouldn't be the most, the most value in terms of Anderson mock trades. Uh, but I think it would make sense, especially considering that Usland is a high skill, high IQ centerman, uh, who can also play on the wing. So I think that versatility also has value. Uh, and that was my little idea. Uh, yeah.
1: You just you know how much I love Brad Lambert. Oh, me 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 too. You know how I, much I, I love. I was him. getting roasted on Twitter because I like uh naser just came back and I'm of third. course. So I tweeted out kind of like my my final rankings. But when you take a screenshot on an iPhone, you can only crop so much. So I had yeah. seven names and I, uh, you have to keep six names. And obviously, the two glaring things there are Lambert at six and Slavkowski not being there. So yes. I was just getting destroyed in my mentions. Like, yeah, Lambert at six. That's that's pretty rough. Where's Slopkovsky? Like, he was only at seven, but he might as well be at, like, 50.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, look, Brad Lambert's one of my favorites. If the Habs can trade Anderson and get Lambert in any way, do it. Like, it's also a thing where I'm confident that the Habs could turn Lambert into a good player, considering that they have Adam Nicholas. Like, Adam Nicholas would do such fun things with with, with Brad Lambert. Like he turned him into a very interesting player. I also think that that Marie Philippe Poulain would be a great person to advise uh, on Brad Lambert. Um, Definitely yes. With that like high speed, high skill game uh, that 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 she's known for, and that Brad yeah. Lambert's known for. If Lambert hits. He hits. He hits. Yes. If he hits, he's a fir- he he could be a first Just line the, winger, yeah. um or center. I liked him more I at center. I I do like him a lot more at center. Uh, maybe a high end second line center, but yeah, he, he's going to be a really valuable piece wherever he ends up if he can if he can hit, and it's a big if. But it's just such high, high upside where, yeah, I I I'd love it. But the Habs also just passed on him with the Meshar pick, so I don't know how high they were on him. Meshar had uh, to begin with like Meshard did, did have him set the night. Go? Want to talk about that one? Sure. 3 points. Or 4 three points. points. 3, three points. points. I believe it was two goals, 3 points. Which it was, is it was a dominant win for Kitchener. But but yeah, like, I think I think a lot of people are discounting Meshard's value as a prospect this season. Yeah. Uh, just because he's not lighting up the OHL, but he's still playing a really professional style game. Uh, it's very clear that he he's, he's coming from a professional setting. Um his habits are so sound and I, I I like him a ton. I I really am a big a big fan of his game. I was and, expecting uh, him to go a point per game and he's like three points under it. So exactly, exactly. He, he's he's right around there, and I think you could bring him to the ECHL next season and, he, and he'd do just fine. Even the AHL, um, but I, I think he's yeah, going to be AHL next season. Probably the AHL. I think he's good enough for it. And it's like you have a guy like Jan Mishak in the
1: AHL doing okay. for sure. M- would be fine
0: metro would be fine um and and speaking of the AHL actually we need to talk about Raphael Harvey pinard who has come up to the NHL and is almost at
1: a point a game <laughs> like, having another points already this I, know. I just got an
0: assist he just got an assist tonight a uh, nice primary assist on a Suzuki goal uh and tonight this afternoon um but yeah great play by him like like he 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 made that goal it was a great great pass and uh, he has what now five goals and two assists in just under eight games. It's not bad. It's not, 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 not too shabby. He is, he is shooting like 30% and we can ignore that for now, but. Hey, we thought he yeah. was going to be sustainable. So. Oh yeah. We totally all yeah. talking about sustainability. Was I saw we people on
1: Twitter like, yeah, Suzuki's going to keep this up 18 or 22% or whatever.
0: Remember in December when Suzuki was higher than than Elias Petterson and Rasmus Dahlin on that like under twenty four yes. list. Yes, because and, that, and, it, was and I was just like points you're setting him table. up to fail. Like if your expectation is for him to be better than Petterson and Dahlin, like I'm sorry, but that's just not if fair on Suzuki. Like if I learned
1: anything about hockey media, they did that on purpose so that they would get of course that. no
0: they, they they got engagement and they got like they, they got so what they engagement. wanted. And uh, now looking back, it's like, oh, Pedersen like, has like 62 points in 50 games on a bad Vancouver team. it's like, well, Suzuki uh, only scored a second goal in like a month today. So,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, and, and for the final segment of this episode, uh, Joshua and Rosa, the floor is yours for
2: this day in Habs history. On this day, the year of our Lord, 1971, LeBros Bill, John Beliveau scored his final hat-trick and his 500th career goal in a 6-2 win against the Minnesota North Stars. He finished his final season that year with 25 goals and 76 points in 70 games, most points on the team for that year. It stands up with Mike Bossy and Hakam Lube as one of one of, if not the best, final seasons of any NHL career especially considering Beliveau was 39 at the time and Lube left the NHL early to play in Sweden and Bossy's career was tragically cut short due to back issues. Everyone knows Beliveau won 17 Stanley Cups, most of any individual. He's top three in every offensive category in Canadian's history, the longest tenured Canadiens captain, and one of the few players to have the Hockey Hall of Fame wait time waived after he retired. But he was also so good that he changed the course of an entire league. Beliveau was discovered by Frank Selke at the age of 15. At the time, there were two types of entry-level contracts, C-forms and B-forms. C-forms were signed with a specific date in the future in mind where the player would be brought up to play in the NHL. While B-forms were signed with no date, simply that if the player decided to turn pro, he would play with the team he signed the B-form with. Now, Selkie wanted Bellevaux to sign the C-form, but Bellevaux decided to sign the B-form instead and play in the amateur Quebec Senior Hockey League. By 1953, Bellevaux had played the most amount of games in the NHL allowed by an amateur, but never showed much interest in going pro. So what did Selkie do? He and the Canadians decided to buy the QSHL Hockey League, converted it to a minor pro league, which forced Bellevue to make the jump to the NHL and the Canadians for good. Also on this day, George Vesna came the first goalie to win 100 games in a Montreal Canadiens uniform in 1925 in a 10-3 win over the original Ottawa Senators. Between 1910 and 1925, Vesna was the only goalie to play for the Canadians. That's 327 regular season games and 39 playoff games in a row, to be exact. He was given the nickname the Chikudami Cucumber for his hometown and calm demeanor. He recorded the NHL's first shutout and a 9-0 win against the Toronto Arenas in 1918. And a month later, he was credited with the first NHL assist by a goalie on a goal by Nuzi Lalonde. Tangentially Canadians related, but one of my favorite weird little stats is former Canadians coach Randy Cunnyworth, who set potentially the most unbreakable record in the NHL, we'll see, against the Montreal Canadiens, of course. On November 15th, 1981, Cunnyworth scored a goal as a member of the Buffalo Sabres. After that season, Cunnyworth bounced around the NHL and AHL playing for seven different teams before eventually ending up back in Buffalo. And then, on February 11th, 1999, he scored a goal for Buffalo against Montreal. It was the longest time between two goals for the same team, that being 17 years, two months, and 27 days. Two former Canadians were born on this day. Ottawa Senators legend that had a quick stint in Montreal, the Hamburglar Andrew Hammond, and another shorter-term Canadian, Yaroslav Spachek, was born today. In 2005-2006, he was a member of the Edmonton Oilers when they made it to the finals and lost against the Carolina Hurricanes in seven games. Spachek was just one win away from entering the Triple Gold Club.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Josh. That's, uh, I love this segment so much. Every, every mention of the Hamburglar makes me smile. Aaron actually celebrated when, when his name was mentioned. Um, and on that note, we're going to conclude this episode, but uh, keep your eyes peeled for the prospect episode that we're going to record right now, but it's going to come out in a few days time. Uh, and yeah, I think on that note, uh, thanks so much, Josh and Aaron, for joining me for this episode and uh, we'll see you all again. very soon.